Churchy, 83 years old and still working hard. Just want to give a thank you to my new best friend, Stay Puffed Marshmallow Scoop. Some kind of Ghostbuster superhero whatnot, I don't know. Thanks for your Patreon donation. You know how to make this old man blush. Okay, back to work. Extraordinary Terrestrials, Chapter 40, Invasive Species. asked. Yeah. Maddie leaned in with fascination. Tripp knew who he was speaking to at all times. He was able to identify her different voices. There were times when he fell into that absorbed state that only the bog seemed to provoke, but Karen was doing it. Karen and the others in Karen could make Tripp forget other people in the room, forget where he was, forget everything but the conversation. Maddie couldn't help but feel a twinge of fearful jealousy. There are some people. We don't know who they are, but they want to do research in the bog. Did you give them permission to do this? Karen's tired frown was unchanged, her eyes locked on his. Don't believe so. There may have been something I signed without realizing... She looked at her bare feet, pondering. I used to sign things without reading them all the time. Used to, Maddie noted. It was hard to even recall who she used to be when looking at the shriveled person in the bed. Are they causing the bog any harm? Karen asked with sudden urgency. Tripp shared a somewhat alarmed glance with Maddie. This was an especially out-of-character question for the old Karen to ask. Not that we know of, Maddie replied. But we don't exactly trust them either. We don't know their intentions. Just as long as they don't do it any harm. Karen was absently twisting her bedsheets in one hand. Maddie leaned into Tripp, close to his ear. Is this still Karen you're talking to? She asked in a low voice. Tripp nodded. Karen, why do you want the bog to remain unharmed? He asked, seeking clarification. Because I've got to go back, of course. Her voice had become harsh, as if it were a stupid question to ask. To the bog? Yes. Why? Because... Karen struggled, her face tensing and contorting. I don't make sense here, Maddie eyed the windowless room, seeing her point. In the hospital? she asked. Anywhere, Karen's chest heaved. Anywhere but the bog. Why did you leave the bog? Tripp asked. Then realizing something, he reiterated. Why did the bog release you? I thought I wanted to leave, she said. Her head slammed back into her pillow, eyes shut tight. 
She gasped. Then her eyes opened. Is she okay? Maddie began to ask. The bog let her go because she asked to be let go, the woman in the bed continued. Heck? Maddie tried. No, the woman corrected. I am E.C. Maddie did not try to conceal her shiver. Just like that, a perfect stranger now lay in Karen's bed. In Karen's body. E.C.? Tripp asked. Uh, uh, pleased to make your acquaintance. Maddie couldn't understand how Tripp simply shifted from one entity to another without hardly a blink of an eye. E.C. gave a cold nod and continued. I've been in the bog for a very long time. I once tried to leave, too. But I had the same realization Karen is having. Leaving is not an option. Not the option we thought it was. This new voice spoke slowly with an almost imperceptible accent. Maddie heard a breath enter and leave Tripp's lungs. He had a question that had been on the tip of his tongue since they'd arrived in the hospital room. What's down there? he asked. Isi smiled and shut Karen's eyes, in ecstasy just at the thought. Time, the stranger replied. What has been, what is, and what could be. Could? Tripp asked. What was and what is follows one path of many. What could be is undetermined. There are many paths it could take. She jolted forward and sat up as much as she could in the restraints. Her eyes became fearful. It was knowing the paths that made me want to leave the bog in the first place, she said. Why? Tripp asked. Maddie leaned into him again. Karen? She mouthed. He nodded. Humans think they have so much time, Karen continued with an unhappy smirk. But I've seen every path, and I don't see very many humans up ahead. Maddie didn't know what to say. Beside her, Tripp gulped. Karen continued, though Maddie wished she would stop or at least say something less terrible. It was why I wanted to leave— I knew too much, and I thought if I left, she wrestled back tears, I could forget. But it's not something you forget. The bog remembers. The bog remembers me. Therefore, I remember the bog. The bog remembers. Tripp had said those exact words. Maddie considered what Karen had meant by remembering. She saw paths she could not forget. She saw possible events for the future— and could not forget them. Maddie drew a conclusion of what the bog did to someone submerged in it for long periods of time. She got to her feet, stepping closer to the bedside without realizing it. It made you remember the future, she stated. Karen's eyes met hers. How much time do humans have? Tripp asked, as if he hadn't heard Maddie. And he hadn't. She could tell. Hard to say, Karen replied, glancing down at her hand as she picked at a bit of fuzz on the bedsheet. She swallowed. A lot of it depends on how much time places like the bog have. 
it's possible I haven't seen everything, but from what I have seen, we have less time than any of us would like to think. A fear returned to Maddie as she returned to her seat, her legs becoming weak. Karen's eyes shut tight, overcome with a brief headache, then opened again. She let out a few chirps, a single squawk, took a breath, and then began to speak in a long stream of words. Maddie noticed her eyes were slowly moving from left to right, over and over again, as if reading. Sphagnum moss could be considered an invasive species. It grows and overtakes other life, hence the black spruce struggles to put out life on its lower branches, and often mounds of the trees are overwhelmed by the moss. But sphagnum moss also contributes to the air, providing oxygen, while acquiring energy from the sun and water of the bog. It retains moisture, simultaneously feeding and suffocating other plant life. Below the water's surface, it decays. The acidic rot it contributes to the soil is another reason other life in the bog struggles. The sphagnum has altered the ecosystem so immensely that only the species that are fittest for survival in this environ can coexist with the moss. It becomes a fight for survival. She took another breath after the long statement, this time more of a gasp, and gave Tripp a pointed look. Humans are also an invasive species, she added. Heck, Tripp asked. What are you saying? What do invasive species do? Heck asked. They alter their ecosystem, Maddie answered, knowing where this was going. She didn't like it. And a fight ensues between other species. Heck nodded gravely. If the invasive species wins that fight, though, Tripp cut in. It still inevitably loses. Resources run out, and overpopulation results in further problems. The ecosystem is permanently altered, and humans have made many more problems for themselves, Heck stated. They often forget they are a part of this natural world. Karen forgot once. She never will again. It didn't snow until late this year, Tripp noted. Does that have something to do with what you're saying? Heck nodded. It could, she said. Maddie's fear manifested fully. It felt like being trapped while a fire spread and raged all around her. It was the fear she didn't get a good rush from. It was panic. Maddie didn't want to believe that humans didn't have long, that they were destroying their own chances of longevity. She didn't want to believe she'd be forgotten. It had always been a truth she knew someday she would face, but in this moment, it was more than a truth. It was a reality. Her ears were ringing as she stood again. The air seemed thin. I've gotta... I'll be back. She stumbled to the door, in need of a window, feeling like Karen, like she would shrivel up if she didn't get air and sunlight and a horizon to look at. her, Heck urged. Hmm? Tripp hardly heard her. 
Speaking with Heck always caused him to feel especially not himself. Trip felt like Jack. Hurt, fearful, sad, angry, urgent. The disembodied feelings flooded him. He watched the door close behind Maddie. It was hard to understand any of the things happening around him, between the ever-changing woman in the bed and Maddie's strange behavior. She needs your comfort, Heck explained. She sighed, and in so doing, became Karen. My comfort? Besides, Karen stated with a pained frown, I'm tired from today. I've said too much. Tripp glanced from Karen to the door, then back. He wanted to ask more. So much more. Laying before him was a portal to all possible future events. She knew what might happen and what could cause something to happen. Perhaps she even knew what might happen to Tripp. Or Maddie. But Karen's eyes were shut now, her breathing slow and even. He'd worn her out with his questions. Tripp wondered if changing from one person's thoughts to another's was a particularly draining task for Karen's body. She'd said humans didn't have much time. It was clear she had even less time. Tripp hesitantly stood, feeling he should say more, leave some kind of parting words. We'll be back for you, he finally wrestled out. It wasn't satisfying to say, but it was something. He backed out of the room, half hoping she'd wake at the sound of his voice with more prophetic words, but Karen remained still and silent. Outside in the hallway, Maddie was nowhere to be seen. Tripp was struck with the sudden anxiety that she'd up and left. No doubt Karen's words had rattled her. She'd seemed almost as shaken as the night of the fire. Tripp hoped she wasn't considering another escape to Louisiana. The thought alone made him quicken his pace. Rounding a corner, he nearly ran over Nurse Hazel Hadlock. "'Good grief, Tripp!' she exclaimed, steadying him. "'Sorry, have you seen Maddie?' he asked it with more urgency than intended. "'Yes, actually. Didn't expect to. She was heading for the stairs. Seemed a little green around the gills. Thanks.' He pressed the button for the elevator, then continued on to the stairs as Hazel called after him. Trip, did you come to visit Karen again? She... No time. The stairway door shut behind him before Hazel could complete her sentence. Her last audible words were something about a week from now. He raced down the stairway. Karen's words had made Trip restless. He needed to do something about it. He needed to get her out of the hospital. He needed to find Maddie, find out what was upsetting her, why she needed his comfort. He needed to find out how to comfort. He needed to understand why he was suffering the residual feelings of a man long dead. He needed to stop the human race from ending itself. Skipping one too many stairs, Tripp careened forward and fell. A second passed in which he was suspended in midair, his thoughts unable to catch up with the crisis at hand. When they did catch up, it was too late. He was inches away from colliding with the ground and crashing into concrete. A millisecond before losing consciousness, as he landed and rolled and tumbled down the last step, Tripp reflected on how this was so unlike him, falling out of the moment instead of into it. Then he forgot everything. 
He was in the woods, standing outside a cabin. There was a mockingbird singing. There was an older gentleman in tattered pants, suspenders, and a shirt stained from outdoor labor. He regarded Trip. You again, he remarked with a dense accent. Trip recognized him from somewhere. You know, the older man continued, you'll have to come here sooner or later. You'll have to feel it one of these days. Feel what? Trip asked. Your own sadness, he replied. You can't keep assuming it's my son's sadness you're feeling. You have your own aches. His son. Whose son? Trip pondered if this man was his father, and as he pondered the idea, the man became his father, the wrinkles deepening, the bags under his eyes greener, the hair falling out of his scalp, his skin yellowing. Trip's father staggered slightly, caught off guard by his sudden sickly existence. Then he did something truly out of character. Trip's father smiled. It was a goofy grin, reminding him almost of Churchy. His amusement transferred into Trip's thoughts, which became happy and serene. Trip came to gradually. For a while, he was blissful and oblivious, only aware of a ringing static in his ears, unsure of who or what he was, and perfectly fine with not knowing. A single thought pulled him back to the realm of reality, brought on by how pleasant he felt. Maddie. Maddie was a pleasant concept, too. Then Tripp became aware of all the aches and pains, in his forehead, in his left elbow, his tailbone, his shin. With a groan of effort, he opened his eyes to fluorescent light. Fear came next as it dawned on Trip that something drastically unpleasant had happened to him. An accident? A fall. His vision came into focus, and he finally understood where and who he was. Groaning again, Trip gripped the stairway railing and struggled to his feet. He swayed, then continued on his way. He couldn't exactly recall why, but he needed to find Maddie. Two flights down, he heard a door open and small feet patter up the stairs. Bud burst into view. There you are, he exclaimed. Maddie's guarding my bike outside. She said you were still in here. Tripp struggled to both assemble Bud's words into something that made sense and compile his own response. What happened to you? Bud asked. How to tumble. Maddie's outside, you say? Yep. Trip continued down, now with Bud trailing after him. Were you guys here to see Karen? Bud asked. Yes. You know they're taking her away to another hospital next week? Trip froze. What? Yeah, she's going to the psychiatric hospital up north in Bangor. I think that's what Nana said. Bud frowned, trying to remember. When? I told you, next week. But what day? I don't know. He limped faster down the last set of stairs into the exit. Did you tell Maddie? He asked. Nope. How did she seem when you saw her? He thought to inquire as they hurried to the front entrance. 
The nurse at the front desk nodded to Tripp, under the impression that they were now acquainted after so many visits. Who, Karen? Bud asked. What do you mean? No, Maddie. I don't know. She looked kind of bored, so I came over to talk to her. But I was mostly wondering if you were here, so I asked her. They came upon the automatic revolving door. Tripp made the mistake of pushing it, which made it halt. They spent a couple seconds trapped in the frozen contraption. You're not supposed to push it, Bud pointed out. I always wonder why the logical thing for these doors to do is stop when pushed, Tripp commented. Why do you want to know how Maddie seemed? Bud asked. It took a moment for Tripp to understand what he meant. It also didn't help that the question was asked just as they encountered Maddie sitting on a bench outside. She turned, obviously having overheard. Tripp met her eyes. Because Karen gave us some bad news earlier, he replied, giving up. What news? Bud probed. We're all going to die, Maddie replied, turning back away. Tripp joined her on the bench while Bud bounced in front of them. The boy gave Maddie a surprised look. You didn't already know that? Bud asked. Maddie gave a humorless laugh. I like him, she said, directing a thumb at Bud. He can stay. Nana told me, he explained, that even though everybody and everything dies, something will always keep, will always con- content. A soft smile spread on Maddie's otherwise plagued features. If she meant continue, she's a wise woman and you should keep listening to her, Tripp suggested. He was impressed, not only with the boy's thoughtfulness, but his ability to lighten the mood. Well, duh, I always listen to Nana, Bud replied. Including when she doesn't want you to listen, Maddie chuckled. This reminded Tripp. He turned to her. We have more bad news. Oh... They're moving Karen up north to the psychiatric hospital. Maddie's eyes widened. When? Nana said sometime next week, Bud cut in. She's worried about it, too, because she doesn't think it will help Karen any. When next week? Maddie pressed. We don't know, Tripp explained. He thought back a few sentences. Why doesn't your grandmother think that moving Karen will help her? Nana's been to the hospital in Bangor, so she's seen it, Bud suggested. He hadn't really answered their question. Well, I doubt this psychologist up there will be any less stumped than the ones down here, Maddie mused glumly. Tripp thought of the psychologist he'd encountered in his lifetime. They'd always meant well. No, he said after a pause. They'll be stumped, but they'll do the best with what they have. They'll find whatever diagnosis fits, they'll give her whatever pills make her quiet, and she'll continue to wither away because no one will realize that Karen is more than just a psychiatric case. He glanced at Bud, who nodded. It was likely he'd heard something similar from his grandmother. Gramps doesn't like it either because then Karen will be far away from everything she knows and she'll have less visitors. And that's one of the good things she's got going for her right now. Maddie added with a sigh. <sighs> Something should be done. We're the only ones capable, Tripp stated. He received multiple surprised looks. Or, I am. I know Karen needs to escape before next week. And I'm willing to help her. 
But I know what that could mean. Breaking several big laws. You two don't need to be involved. Trip! Maddie interrupted. She raised her eyebrows and made several subtle gestures towards Bud, hoping the boy wouldn't notice. What? Trip asked. He followed her gaze. Oh. I'm not going to tell my grandparents, Bud stated crossly, insulted that Maddie could even suggest such a betrayal. Then he became sly. But only if you let me help. Well then, Bud and I are in. Tripp turned to Maddie, whose eyes had become wide. It's up to you, Maddie. I completely understand any reluctance. Of course I'm in. It was her turn to act insulted. To anyone else, the act would have been convincing, but Tripp didn't buy it. He saw her hands nervously working at the hem of her shirt. She was frightened and already having second thoughts. He wasn't going to call her bluff. Her incensed frown became a smirk. Who do you think I am? Frankly, I would have been shocked if you'd turned down an opportunity like this, Tripp replied. An opportunity like what? Bud asked. An opportunity for another adventure, Maddie explained. Extraordinary Terrestrials is written, read, and recorded by Miriam Rumkunis. All piano music was written and performed by Jonas Rumkunis. All public domain organ music was performed by John Rumkunis. All other music was written and performed by Miriam Rumkunis. Needless to say, all rights reserved. Tune in every Thursday for the next chapter. The Mockingbird heard at the beginning of this chapter was recorded in New Jersey by free sound user Hargis Sound. A link to their recording is in the show notes. If you like what you hear, please leave ratings and reviews for Extraordinary Terrestrials on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Libsyn. To get a shout-out from Churchy, you can contribute to the podcast's Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast and tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter, as well as the website, extraordinaryterrestrialspodcast.com. Lastly, go outside! After so many of these segments, listeners may be thinking, Earth is great and all, but what about my phone, laptop, car, TV, stove, fax machine, and rice maker? What about electricity? Well, the good news is, Earth and electricity are not mutually exclusive. The technology exists. It's people and politics that get in the way. Check out The Solutions Project at thesolutionsproject.org if you're looking to learn more about what life with renewable energy could look like. At the very least, go outside! Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.